0: Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is the CQ on Congress coronavirus special report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. Today is Tuesday, May 12, 2020. Capitol Hill was hopping today, even if some of the bustle was virtual. The House released its latest coronavirus relief package, dubbing it the HEROES Act. It would provide funding to state and local governments and for coronavirus testing. It also contains funding for mortgage assistance and relief for the Postal Service. We will delve into that later. Then there was a testimony in the Senate from the nation's leading public health policy experts, including Robert Redfield, the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Their message was starkly different from what has been coming from the White House and from President Donald Trump. We'll hear more about that as well. We begin with CQ Roll Call health writer Mary Ellen McIntyre, who covered today's Senate hearing with Dr. Fauci.
1: Well, good morning.
0: Uh, The Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions will please come to
1: order. First, some administrative matters.
2: That was Senator Lamar Alexander, a Republican from Tennessee, opening up a Senate hearing with Trump administration health officials today from his home. Alexander and all four witnesses video conferenced into the hearing because they are self-quarantining after coming into contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19. The virtual hearing underscores the challenge that the nation faces during the pandemic in how people work and where they work from. It also lightened up the hearing. We saw those officials outside the tight constraints of a typical congressional hearings, a glimpse of Senator Alexander's dog, Rufus, Dr. Anthony Fauci's crowded bookshelves and FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn's blurred background that made it look like he was coming to the hearing from the beyond. The witnesses offered some hope for a vaccine and an increasing capacity for testing. The big takeaway was concerning for how life may look for the next several months. Fauci issued this warning
1: The consequences could be uh, uh, really uh, serious. There is no doubt, even under the best of circumstances, when you pull back on mitigation, you will see some cases appear.
2: While many states have begun to slowly lift the restrictions, officials say they must have the capacity to test, track, and isolate new cases to control the potential outbreaks. Fauci urged that states should follow the guidelines proposed by the administration for lifting restrictions, and CDC Director Robert Redfield said states should expect more guidance on reopening from the agency soon. Committee members on both sides of the aisle said the country needs to increase testing, Republican Senator Mitt Romney pushed back on the victory lap that President Trump took Monday on testing, saying that the U.S.'s testing strategy is, quote, nothing to celebrate. Public health officials said they are hopeful that one of at least eight vaccine candidates could be successful by the end of the year. If more than one is successful, they say it would be easier to widely distribute a vaccine. The hearing also showed the partisan disagreements that are highlighting the difficult challenge of balancing public health needs with restarting the economy and allowing people to return to some normalcy. Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul, who tested positive for the virus in March, said he did not expect areas in much of the country to see a resurgence of cases if they lifted restrictions and advocated for opening schools.
0: I think the one-size-fits-all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. We really ought to be doing it school district by school district. So I think we ought to have a a little bit of humility in in our uh, belief that we know what's best for the economy. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision.
2: Fauci pushed back.
1: I, I have never made myself out to be the end all and only voice in this. I'm a scientist, a physician, and a public health official. I give advice according to the best scientific evidence.
2: Fauci also said that people shouldn't be cavalier about thinking that children are immune from the virus, noting that scientists are learning more about how it affects children than was clear from the data out of China and Europe, and noting that some children with COVID-19 are also presenting with a strange inflammatory syndrome.
0: Now to senior budget writer, David Lerman has been taking a crash course in House Democrats' 1,800-page relief
1: bill. I'm covering the House Democrats today unveiling their mammoth relief package for the coronavirus pandemic. They have unveiled a bill today of more than $3 trillion in aid. It would be the biggest federal response so far to this health and economic emergency. Uh, We're talking everything from a new round of cash payments for most families, uh, more loans for small businesses, at least making them more flexible, um, rental and mortgage payment assistance for lower-income people when needed, new money for medical research for the virus, uh, an extension, again, of unemployment insurance benefits uh, through the end of the year or through even longer than this year. Uh, more tax breaks uh, and and it's just it's just sweeping legislation, and the biggest chunk probably is just aid to states and local governments, which have seen their revenues just bleeding because of the economic shutdown. Aid to the states and lo- localities alone would amount to about a trillion dollars. This is by far the biggest relief bill that's been passed since the pandemic began in March. They did pass a, a roughly $2 trillion measure in March, and so this easily dwarfs that one. Uh, but this one, by contrast, is only drafted by House Democrats. This is a more partisan bill. There's no bipartisan buy-in. There's been no bipartisan negotiation. So here's some of the things that's in it. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it would take forever to name them all, but there's about $10 billion to cover Uh, food stamp expansions and raise benefit levels. There's about $75 billion to help homeowners make mortgage payments. There's about $100 billion in rental assistance for low-income tenants. There's about $5.5 billion for broadband to um, emergency home internet connections during the shutdown. There's a bailout of the Postal Service of about $25 billion, supposedly to make up for lost revenue the Postal Service is suffering during the pandemic. There's about $100 billion for education, uh, so to help states deal with the shuttered schools. There's about $100 billion for hospitals. Uh, There's $75 billion for more virus testing. There's an increase for federal Medicaid spending. There's extra money for health insurance for laid off and furloughed workers. Uh, there's the extension of unemployment insurance, as I mentioned, actually through the end of January of next year. There's hazard pay. There's a $200 billion HEROES fund, they're calling it, that would give grants to employers who could then provide premium pay for for so-called essential workers that have to be on the job. Uh, and, of course, a new round of these rebate checks, which would, again, cap out at $1,200 per adult but also $1,200 per dependent for up to three dependents in the family, uh, and uh, more tax relief. Uh, and Democrats are even trying to lift the $10,000 limit on deductions for state and local taxes, and they're going to face a fight from on that from Republicans. And another partisan sticking point in here, I think, is election security. Democrats have proposed $3.6 billion in state grants, to help the states prepare for the elections and do mail-in voting during the pandemic. Republicans don't like the idea of mail-in voting, and so that's going to face a fight too. This bill is likely to pass the House. The House has scheduled a floor vote for Friday, and it's likely to go through there on a party-line vote. Republicans have already blasted the thing as too sweeping and too expensive. Um, so. But it's, it's nonetheless important because it sort of serves as an opening bid for Democrats as to what they want to see out of any compromise legislation that might be cast down the road. So this is the opening round of this next phase, and uh, we'll see how long it takes to reach a bipartisan agreement. But it won't be easy, and it's going to take several weeks at least.
0: That's it for May 12th. For the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, I'm Jason Dick.